0: Hello and welcome to Broad's You Should Know, the podcast about amazing and noteworthy women from history. I'm Sarah Gorski and I'm here once again with the Miss Adrian Snow. Hi, Adrian. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you?
1: I'm good.
0: Your cats are sleeping so cute behind you. I love it.
1: They are passed out, which is always good because <laughs> when they're not, they're in my face and that's not needed right now. I do love it when they are in my face, but
0: not when you're trying to record. Yeah. Well, Adrian, you have brought me abroad today and I don't know that I, I don't know anything about them. I know their name, but I don't Mm -hmm. know much about them. So I am excited. Why don't you just kick it off?
1: So, Stranger Things premiered,
0: was it last week? Yes.
1: And everyone was like, oh my God, Kate Bush. I've never heard Kate Bush before. Running up that hill is amazing. And I was like, all you suckers are babies. Because I've been (laughs) on the Kate Bush train since 1999. Because I'm also still kind of a baby. So... (laughs) <laughs> but I've been I've been a Kate Bush fan for 20 something years. So I'm bringing in Kate Bush, who I also to be fair did not know a lot about. I all I really knew about Kate Bush is that she was a British singer in the 80s mainly who mm-hmm. was kind of, like, ethereal and eclectic and, like, kind of weird. and
0: I didn't and even know just, that.
1: So if you go and look at the video for Running Up That Hill or for This Woman's Work, like, some of her bigger songs that we know in the States, it's, mm-hmm. like, all, like, interpretive dance and, like, just very, like, she's kind of kooky. That's how people kind of perceive <laughs> her. And they also perceive her to be, like, a recluse that just fell off the map in the 90s.
0: Is she still, like, is, when you watch her video today, is it still kooky? Or is it, yeah, like... So kooky. <laughs>
1: Because she – and I'll explain, like, a little bit more about it. But, yeah, she just – it was more about her being – an artist than a pop star and she wanted to bring like stage work and mime work to her performances as well the reason people think she's recluse is because she just had a lifestyle change when she decided to become a mom
0: surprise 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 surprise. becoming a mom required a lifestyle change
1: (laughs) uh so and she also never actually went away she just took some time off so kate bush was born Catherine bush july 30th 1958 making her the same age as my mother and bexley Heath. Kent in the UK to an English doctor and an Irish staff nurse. She's the only daughter of their three children. She has two older brothers. Now the whole Mm. family is really into music. They're all actually musicians in some form, in some way, particularly in folk music. Okay. As a kid, she kind of just grew up around instruments, about around music. And by the time she was 11, she began to teach herself the piano and then began to create her own compositions on the piano and create her own songs. She also trained in karate in her youth because her brother karate? was an instructor yeah, at the Goldsmith Karate Club. So this is all happening around the same time. So by the time she was 16, and I, I bring up the karate, it, it'll make sense in like a minute, but... Um, <laughs>
0: Her family
1: was like, oh, you know what, she had like 50 songs composed by the time she was 16. And so... They started like sending oh out their tape God. to friends and uh, recording companies and no one was picking up on it. And so they reached out to family friend, David Gilmore, who was a member of the Pink Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> like, That's your family friend when you're Kate Just Bush.
0: happened to know Pink Floyd. Okay, great. Just happened to know
1: Pink Floyd when they're like at the biggest they'll ever be in their life in the 1970s. and. <laughs> And David Gilmore likes it, and he's like, "Well, let's create a professional demo tape and send yeah. that out." And so he sends that out, and it ends up falling into the hands of Andrew Powell. He went on to produce her first two albums. And her sound engineer, Jeff Emmerich, did work for the Beatles. So nice. th- through this demo tape, they're able to sign her with EMI Records in 1975 when she's only 16 years old, and That's they give her this speed- young, yeah, At that
0: in that time period. I feel like,
1: and it- to be clear, she composed and wrote all the music. No one was was out here helping her. This is all her original music. They give her a huge advance and she takes that and fans. She's just like, well, I'm just going to go learn interpretive dance with Lindsay Kemp, who used to work with David Bowie, and Adam Darius, who was like this like well-renowned mind <laughs> performer of the time. So she took two years. She did that. She worked on her A-levels, which is like a version of SATs, and basically worked on exiting secondary school, which is like British version of high school, mm-hmm. for those two years. And then, and only then, after she was like fronting this band called the KT Bush Band and just kind of working and developing herself on her own, did she start to work on her album two years later in 1977.
0: Oh, I see. So they just gave her the advance and she, they didn't buy the songs yet. They were yeah. they were buy, paying her to write an album.
1: Yeah. They didn't feel she was quite ready or developed as an artist. And she, w- and she talked about this in an interview, okay. which you can see on YouTube, just about the beginnings of her career and how she was like so young when she started that she really just needed that time to kind of develop who she was.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And
1: so I wouldn't say the record company was happy to do that as much as... <sighs> (sighs) she enforced that that's what she wanted to do. The big thing about Kate as well is that she's very like in charge of her career and her decisions. And mm-hmm. so even as a kid, she was negotiating these things and being like, well, I want to do it on my timetable and do it in this way, which I'm sure drove them crazy. So, <laughs> <laughs> But she came out with her debut album in 1978 called The Kick Inside. The hit single was Wuthering Heights. This is not the single that the studio wanted to go with. But as she being like, you know, a head honcho was like, no, this is a song that I think should be the single. And this is the one that i want to go with and she was right it ended up being mm-hmm. like a hit some of the songs on the album were from when she was 13 years old she wrote those songs and she put them on this album i
0: have to say like she was right is probably my favorite phrase on this podcast yeah i like
1: to say that every time i come on this podcast uh, <laughs> um she was the first woman to reach the UK charts with a self-written album. So like every song on that album is something that she wrote herself. And that was the first time in history that a, an album charted on the UK charts where every song was written by a woman.
0: Wow. And what year was that again? 1978. 78. Dang. That's late.
1: It is late. According to Guinness World Records, she was the first woman to write every single track on a million-selling debut album. You think about how long radios existed and and like Mm. all the albums that have existed. And she accomplished that at the age of 20.
0: Although I think, to be fair, there were a lot... I feel like a lot of artists at that time period and before that also just didn't even write their own music, right? A lot of people didn't write their own music,
1: but the late 60s and 70s were about musicians kind of coming into their own and not having songwriters separately that they wrote their own music as well like a lot of rock stars male musicians were doing that where they were coming and writing their own music women were still kind of pop stars. You know, it wasn't about them being an artist. It wasn't about them playing their own instruments or writing their own songs. It was about them singing along to whatever a man gave them. Right. And she did receive a little bit of that kind of pushback early on in her career. Her crossover into the US during that time was not as successful because they didn't really know what to do with her, what they called it, physical presentation or visual <laughs> presentation. because she's kind of like a quirky like raven haired woman. She's like I think it's like very like ethereal sounding voice and but you know <laughs> when she sings like she even like revs up that kind of like high pitched sound to it to like give it more of a bravado and stuff and so they wanted to give her more of that crossover so they kind of turned her into a pop star like when you see those like pictures from her career early on it's like you know what they would do to like Britney Spears. It's like yeah she's in like Daisy Dukes and and a tank top and they're like taking pictures but she looks like sexual and and she kind of talked about that like they were marketing her that way in her career early on and she was like it wasn't really about she's like as a writer and as an artist for me it's not really about my sexuality it's about my sensuality. i think that's like a little bit more nuanced and interesting mm-hmm. than being pitched as just this body you know this female body out there that sells albums by you know the appearance of of her breast on the cover of the album.
0: Was that and the, specifically the US marketed her that way or was that like they tried to do that for her image everywhere?
1: Not everywhere. So they marketed her that way in the UK in the hopes that that would get her to cross over in the US. But it was also okay. like that type of like 80s pop star. That was the thing in, in the UK too because Kylie Minogue was also originally like a pop star. Yeah. They were all kind of following like America's lead in terms of how to market women in the 1980s and 1990s. So, so. in 1970 1979 she went on her one and only tour for the kick side called the tour of life it was a combination of interpretive dance mime even magic she loves to magic yeah she loves to dance in her music video she loved to dance on stage she essentially created the wireless headset and microphone combination so that she what? could dance yeah so she could dance and sing during concerts. So like we take it for granted now that if you watch like Beyonce on tour, she's got the earpiece and she's got like the little microphone coming down to her mouth when right. she wants to dance without holding a hand a hand microphone. Kate Bush started that <laughs> with her one and only tour that she's ever really done back in 1979 she found it to be very fulfilling but incredibly exhausting and so she chose not to go on tour again she did do a very small tour later in 2011 i think to help promote her album that she came out with during that time Mm. but that was her first time like being doing a public performance really since 1979 it was a lot for her and you know think about it like the extent to which she's doing it like we think about like how britney spears like
0: when she you're like a workhorse yeah you're a
1: workhorse so but off of that success of the kick inside the studio decided to push her to come out with another album called lionheart in the same year in 1978
0: in the same year she's touring yeah oh my god they wanted
1: to the year before she even did the tour they're like oh we didn't expect the kick inside to be so successful can you come out with another album now
0: (laughs) oh fuck you studio. so she rushed (laughs) another
1: album out and she didn't like it she 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 felt it was rushed. So she ends up starting her own production company in 1979 called Kate Bush Music. And she brings her family members on board as like members of the the board and stuff. And she starts working on producing her own music. So in 1980, she released Never Forever with uh, the hit single Babushka, which I love Babushka. (laughs) It's one of my favorite Kate Bush songs. It was the first album by a female artist to enter the UK charts at the top.
0: Whoa. Like off the bat, everyone bought it. Off
1: yeah. the bat. Everyone loved it. Wow. She did co-produce that with somebody at the time, but in nineteen eighty two, she came out with an album called Dreaming, which she produced by herself for the very first time.
0: Hell yeah, Kate. Yeah.
1: And so she was like pushing these albums out. So when people are like, Where did she go? I was like, Well, dude, like it's like Rihanna. Rihanna was like pushing albums out for a while. And then she's like, I don't wanna do this anymore. I'm <laughs> taking a yeah. break. And everyone's like, But you used to push out an album every year. Some times twice a year I'm like yeah that's really fucking hard
0: yeah it's very but hard
1: dreaming was not as popular as her previous albums but it had a smaller hit called sat in your lap so like all this is happening right and i say i, I give this pause because i at this point as i'm like getting this, everything together i'm like oh my god i just thought this woman came out with like two or three albums and then just disappeared. So I'm learning uh, as I'm researching, like just how expansive and extensive her career was. Like she would write for Peter Gabriel, she did some collaborations with him. She was incredibly influential. People uh, like Elton John, Madonna, like Alanis Morissette, so many people quote her as being like an influence. Adele, I think in 2018, the album that she came out with at that, at that time, she said some of the songs in that album were influenced by Kate Bush. So she's just been this very Low key powerhouse of a woman that's kind of like almost been on in a, in a global level, like forgotten. Which is kind of crazy, <laughs> um, crazy. when you think about like, all she's done and how recent she is and the fact that she is still very much alive.
0: Well, and it also seems like profile wise, she lays a little lower than some st- other like celebrity people that yeah. reach that level. Like you think about people who like have all these celebrity marriages and mm-hmm. raucous divorces and, all, you know, like stuff. It seems like she kind of steered clear of that and has just kind of been on the straight and narrow well, I,
1: I will say she was raised Roman Catholic. Um, and she does say like, while she does not necessarily agree with like the church aspect of Roman Catholicism, she does agree like the spirituality of it. And I think also, you know, from what I can tell from the very few Roman Catholics that I know, they seem to be incredibly private and reserved. And so there is not much to be found about her personal life. She dated a fellow musician in the 80s. And then she ended up marrying a, a guitarist by the name of Danny Mac- McIntosh in the 90s. And they had a baby named Albert/Birdie Albert slash Birdie in 1993. But I'm jumping a bit ahead. Movie. So before we get to the 90s, the big album that like, everyone knows about Was was 1985's The Hounds of Love. That had, like, a little bit more of a crossover. Um, It's the album that Max is listening to in Stranger Things Season 4, which is why everyone...
0: The redhead. Yes.
1: That's why everyone's, like, talking about running up that hill, because Kate Bush, to be clear, does not give the rights to her music freely. She can be kind Mm. of tough about that, kind of like a lot of, like, British rockers of that time you know i think acdc also is like really tough it's really hard to get their music it might be confusing it with somebody else but she gave the music to stranger things because she's actually just a huge fan of stranger things <laughs> and now it's like she released the rare statement where she talks about it becoming a hit again i, f- I have it here oh my gosh it.
0: <laughs> it's gotta be like surreal a little bit like her second coming through a yeah, TV show
1: dude 37 years later so She said, you might have heard that the first part of the fantastic gripping new series of Stranger Things has recently been released on Netflix. It features the song Running Up That Hill, which is being given a whole new lease of life by the young fans who love the show. I love it too. Uh, Because of this, Running Up That Hill is charting around the world and has entered the UK chart at number eight. It's all really exciting. Thanks very much to everyone who has supported the song. I wait with bated breath for the rest of the series in July. Wow. (laughs) like, Kate Bush, who will be, I believe, 65 next year, is wow. top of the charts for a song she wrote when she was, like, 27?
0: And was that one of the albums that she, is that one of the albums that you said she produced herself? So is she the only... Everything,
1: all her albums are produced herself. She writes all of her own music. Uh, when she was doing music videos, she did, like, the design for the music videos, you know? So everything yeah. that you see that comes out from Kate Bush is, create, is Kate Bush's design, like, she so she wants-
0: hopefully benefits from this resurgence, like quite literally. Yes,
1: she is oh, like Dolly Parton, like Mariah Carey. She owns, okay, she owns her what you might call her, her music, her music. But there's like a a word for it where it's like because Taylor Swift doesn't own them, and that was like the big issue. Her masters, Kate Bush owns her masters, and so she does get the profits from running up that hill, like topping the charts here in nice. our modern day of 2022. But the other singles featured from that were Cloud Busting and Hounds of Love. Uh, Cloud Busting is also a really good song if you want to further your knowledge of Kate Bush. Her entire collection is on Spotify.
0: Yes, I was just going to ask, yeah. can I listen to it on Spotify? <laughs> you
1: can listen to it on Spotify. Uh, she was nominated for four Brit Awards, which is like the version of, their version of the Grammys, and ended up winning Best Female Solo Artist. She released the album The Sensual World in 1989, which featured the hit single This Woman's Work. A lot of people cover This Woman's Work. The first time I ever heard it was actually Maxwell when I was like 11. He has a version of This Woman's Work. And it huh. was featured in, this, in the movie She's Having a Baby. Now I've heard two different things. John, John Hughes wrote a movie called She's Having a Baby in 1988, 89 supposedly she wrote the song for the movie because it is about and this is how i was actually introduced to kate bush because i was like wow somebody did a cover of maxwell's this woman's work (laughs) uh, in 1999 and i was like wait this movie came out in like 1988 maxwell did a cover of this woman's song and it's a movie about a A couple like just at the beginning of marriage and then she becomes pregnant during their marriage and just it's about the early years of marriage and like going from Mm -hmm. being this like couple who's like buying a house together to having a baby and she ends up having a complication during the birth. And that's kind of what the song is actually about. And what I also wanted to just kind of say about Kate Bush is that all of her songs have like some higher meaning to it. Running Up That Hill is about... Wishing to understand that a man and a woman could trade places to understand each other better. Everything is about like female empowerment, about like being able to have like the same type of control in your life like as a man would. That's what running up that hill is about. This woman's work is is about a man's perspective on like her like crisis and childbirth, but it's still really more so about like you know she's done all this work and now there's a complication and now there's nothing he can do about it. She could die. There's all these things I haven't said to each other and, you know, also just about the power of a woman being able to give birth. And so yeah. there, there's always like a layered meaning to what she's doing and and <laughs> when like what she puts out into the world. So that's also probably why she didn't survive for long as like a pop star because babushka, <laughs> like, you know, how
0: do you make that a pop song?
1: Um, yeah.
0: I mean, also like people, gene- like the patriarchy, generically speaking, is not a huge fan of feminist messaging for a long no. period of time they like, like tolerate it for a little bit and then they're like okay now go away
1: <laughs> yeah so she followed that album up with the red shoes in 1993 which was like moderately popular but this is like where her career kind of starts to slow down a bit and it's kind of really by her own accord she's also getting older so i think in 1993 how old was my mom 35 And she settles down with Danny McIntosh and they have a baby in 1993. And so in 1994, she's like, I'm just going to take a year break. I'm a new mom. Just going to rest and do that. And that one year break becomes a 12 year break. And so she just starts to enjoy family life and decides that she doesn't really feel the need to make a new album. And this is when the rumors start that she's a recluse. She doesn't, you know, she doesn't like her physical appearance because she's gained weight and she's getting older. Like all
0: this crazy crap. Because that's the only, that's the only reason women hide is because they feel ugly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is why
1: Kate Bush has disappeared is because she just doesn't feel like, or she, she can't hit those notes like she used to and all that kind of stuff.
0: Oh my God. Mm-hmm. We just did the, you know, a few weeks ago, we just did that Michelle Yo episode. Michelle Yo took a break. Like it's yeah. like a t- totally normal to take, have like gaps in your career where you're figuring some stuff out or taking a rest or whatever it is you're doing.
1: And that's a very patriarchal viewpoint because I think, I don't think it's fair to men either that we don't allow them breaks when they have children. So mm-hmm. if I were to be like, okay, wait, you know what? I'm going to have a baby. People would be like, oh, your career's over. Well, that's the end of it. But if my husband is to be like, okay, well, I'm going to have a baby. Like, oh, great. So your wife's taking some time off. It's never about, no, actually, maybe we should both take some time off and focus on the fact that we're building a family together. And that's okay. But in 2006, she came out with her album, Ariel. It was like her first album since 1993. Mm -hmm. And it, it had some moderate success. You know, I think it's, it peaked at like number four. Four, one of her, one of the singles peaked at number four, but the album as a whole peaked in the at number UK. Three. Or in the UK, or yeah, she doesn't really have like a ton of. She still isn't overly popular outside of the UK until
0: now. Two
1: thousand seven, she was asked to write a song for the Golden Compass soundtrack, and so she wrote the song Lyra. Yep, that was used in the closing credits. And then in 2011, she released the Director's Cut, which was a re-release of 11 songs from the Red Shoe and Central World albums. Uh, so mm-hmm. she just kind of went in and remastered them and used like digital equipment and stuff like that and changed some of the lyrics. I think she kind of just maybe modernized it a bit. And then she did follow that up with another album called 50 Words for Snow, which had a cameo appearance by Elton John. And it's like more of like a jazzy, slow album.
0: Like Nora Jonesy? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Kind of like that, but she's very much well loved in the UK. Kind of like how the very first woman I brought to Bras You Should Know,
0: Mary Seacole,
1: Mary Seacole was so loved by everyone (laughs) in Britain. And Kate Bush is kind of the same. Where like even bless Boris Johnson called her one of the most. She's like one of the top five influential British women in history. Really? Yeah, he said that. (laughs) I never
0: really liked anything he said, but I like that yeah people surprise you he
1: <laughs> said kate bush was in the fifth spot after deliberating between nominating queen elizabeth margaret Thatcher, and bush he put her in the fifth spot oh she published a book in 2018 called how to be invisible and so she's also uh, an author <laughs>
0: not a recluse but she did title her book that okay
1: <laughs> nah, i think she is just being a little ironic but <laughs> which i appreciate and yeah, that's kind of Kate Bush. It's like what I was able to kind of like get together. She's it's so if you read up on her and look at her YouTube videos, just even looking at her Wikipedia, you're like, Jeez, I expected like a few paragraphs on Wikipedia and this crap is extensive.
0: Yeah. But yeah. she sounds like just there's a lot of like, you know, quote celebrities and quote artists out there. Like I'm I'm mm-hmm. saying the quote the quotes. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um she's just seems like one of those like truly like a pro, like she seemed like a not a prodigy, but like like a savant. Yes, that's yeah. the word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew you would know. You're so more. You're so much more eloquent, Adrian.
1: No, uh, I just had a whole conversation about my parents thinking I was a savant at something, and I was like, no, I just am learning <laughs> it. And was
0: I think of- my parents <laughs> did think that about me, but I also don't think that my parents really knew what being a savant. Like meant, you know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) And also like it still takes
1: work, right? It takes time, you know. I think that's something we kind of forget. Even if you are like just this amazing force, it you it's also you have to have it's the right combination of things to allow that to flourish and grow. Like she was born into a family that loves music. She started young and her her parents encouraged it in her. And then her parents were like, we're friends with people from Pink Floyd. Like it's yeah. like so many things. Where
0: like who knows if they hadn't hadn't had that connection, would she have ever knows? broken? Like who knows? Exactly. You and we won't know, and we'll never know. And like just being
1: able to be in a home that allowed for that growth and that creativity, all those things create savants. We yeah. think it's just like it's it's not just enough to have the talent, but to also have the support of the talent.
0: But like she also just like taught herself piano. Like yeah. It sounds like she just, like, really has really raw, natural abilities yeah. when it comes to, like, music, which... Yeah. I was like, well, I taught myself piano, too, but, like... <laughs> like I, mean, I know, know but, like, I, yeah, it's interesting. It's like, I've I've been meeting a bunch of new people lately now that things are slightly opening up more. Mm-hmm. And I've been, like, meeting some people who are like, oh, you, do, you know how to do this? You know how to play the flute? Like, I did that for a number of years when I was younger, like, in high school and almost majored in it. And I forget, like... I was around a lot of people who were, who were multi-talented, like, a lot of my life. And I forget that not everybody can, can self-teach and can learn and can yeah. put that time in and do – and I wasn't self-taught. I, like, had classes and stuff, so I can't – I, I had, cannot pretend to be <laughs> that level. No, I had classes like, for
1: flute, too, but it's also, like – it is a, a bit of self-teaching because you have to – if you want to get better at it, you have to, like, go home and practice and practice and yeah. practice. And-
0: well, that was the part I didn't really care for, was the practicing. <laughs> Ask my parents There's a lot of Smashing my head Against the music stand (laughs) I mean food's hard
1: It's like You gotta hold your mouth In that way It's very tiring Yeah
0: Well she was great Thank you for bringing us Kate Bush Yeah Who by the way Have like every Every two seconds In this episode I'm like not Kate Nash Kate Bush Because I know who Kate Nash is Kate Nash was
1: also Influenced by Kate Bush
0: Now I'm wondering If Kate Nash's name Is her real name Or if she just Tried to be Kate Bush
1: Oh yeah that's um, the chick from, um, she was an actress, right? She's in Glow.
0: Adrian remembers every celebrity from every, she's that person at the party who's like, this actor was in this, 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 and this, and this. And I was like, what? And that's yeah. our friendship in a nutshell.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think she was in Beverly Hills Troop. She was in that. I'm, I, know I'm, I know I'm right. <laughs> like, I'm like, I know I'm right. I know you're right too. I'm not even denying it. Am I right? I am not right. I am wrong. I am wrong. No.
0: Well, Adrian, thank you for bringing us Kate Bush today. She's amazing. I can't wait thank to go you. go over to my Spotify now and listen to every single thing she. ever Oh heard. yeah, it's really good. Like she, oh, she's just she's so innovative. Like there's a lot of stuff that I think she just created
1: musically that was not around before. So
0: badass. A badass broad. You should know. Yep. To learn more about Kate Bush, see pictures of her and some of those YouTube videos Adrian mentioned, head on over to BroadsYouShouldKnow.com. While you're there, you can click on over to the About page to read more about Adrian Snow. Her bio, her photo, links to all her cool stuff and social is all there. And speaking of social, are you following Broads You Should Know yet? We're on Facebook and Instagram at Broads You Should Know and Twitter at BYSK Podcast. To suggest to Broad, fill out the form on our website or email us at broadsoushouldknow at gmail.com. If you're a fan of this podcast, then you really should help spread the word about us. Leave us a review on your podcasting platform and share your favorite episode with your friends and family. That really helps new listeners to find us. Broad's You Should Know is produced by me, Sarah Gorski, and edited by Chloe Skye, with original music by Darren Callahan. Finally, if you are really into Kate Bush's story, then you also should check out our other singing broads that we've covered, including Aaliyah, Eartha Kitt, Lucille Bogan, and Marian Anderson. See you next week for another Broad You Should Know.